This North Texas regional football show is brought to you by Granny's Bakeries. They're located at 401 West Pecan Street in Salina, Texas. You can also find them online at grannysweeties.com. Now, Granny's Bakery has everything you would expect the bakery to have, and boy, do they have it in a delectable way. They've got cakes. They've got pastries. They've got breads. They've got a coffee bar. They've got a grab-and-go. They've got beer and wine. They still have my favorite, the Cupcake Factory. I mean, that just sounds so heavenly. But what Granny's Bakery does beyond just providing you great, delicious food is they also teach you how to do all this because they have classes. And it's the perfect time with the holidays right upon us. We've just passed Halloween. We've got Thanksgiving. we got Christmas. So go to grannysweeties.com forward slash classes, sign up for a class, and learn how to make your holidays taste so much better. And we do thank Granny's Bakery for being a sponsor here on the network for the whole season. Again, they're located at 401 West Pecan Street in Salina. Give them a call, 469-352-8806. Again, you can find them online, grannysweeties.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Just type in Granny's Bakeries. And if you go there to their web Facebook page, I promise you, you're going to come away hungry because the, the, the cakes, the cookies, everything they post just looks so amazing. Do you have a kid playing football or any sport, really? Or do you play sport? Are you a weekend warrior? Man, I miss those days of being a weekend warrior. Well, you might want to check out Power Plus Mouth Guard. Power Plus Mouth Guard is not only about keeping you safe, but it's also about helping you achieve your maximum ability to perform in the middle of a game. And how do they do both of those things? Really simple. They align your jaw properly. That's it. It's that simple. And if you don't believe me, go to their website, powerplusmouthguard.com. Look at the data and research. And this isn't data and research that Power Plus Mouthguard did. This is third-party research. And the reason, or one of the big reasons that we keep advertising them is I truly want to keep this sport safe. And Power Plus Mouthguard is going to do that. And when you align your jaw properly, you get 100% oxygen to the brain, 100% oxygen to your muscles. It allows you to perform at your peak performance in what I call that fog of sports and it helps you stay healthier. The concussion rates are absolutely phenomenal when you wear this mouth guard. So check them out online, powerplusmouthguard.com. 10% discount if you act today. All you have to do is when you go to the cart and you get your uh, mouth guards, put into the promo code POWERUP2023 and you'll get 10%. It's playoff time in Texas. We're here to talk about it. Hello, everybody. Terry Bennett here on the Granny's Bakery Power Plus Mouth Guard North Texas football show. Matt Diggs and I are going to be breaking down all the bi-district action in the North Texas area. And, and to be honest with you, we kind of cross those regional lines. We end up talking a little big country, a little East Texas. That's what we do when Matt Diggs and I get together and talk football. And this is what we're going to do all playoff season. Uh, six weeks of shows, including our state championship shows. Speaking of... We're going to be doing some pretty cool stuff during the state championship weekend that we'll be letting you know here in the next couple weeks. Uh, so be staying tuned for that. And also just stay tuned for the show because I think this is a really good show. And this is a really long show. And I always feel that when Diggs and I get together and we have long shows, that means we have some really good co uh, quality content. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, Matt Diggs joins me. And we're going to talk some North Texas playoff football right here on the Granny's Bakery Power Plus Mouth Guard North Texas football show on S2S, part of Elf. Four Media. Here at L4 Media, we talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. 
And you can see it all on our YouTube channel at L4 Media Company. Like and subscribe. Terry Bennett back here on the Granny's Bakery Power Plus Mouth Guard North Texas football show. Round one of the playoffs. And I am now joined by the venerable Matt Diggs. And we've been talking North Texas all year long and kind of looking at the brackets and stuff. Instead of sticking to the districts that we have, you know, and I still have that list. We're going to do that. You know, we're going to still talk in 4A, 5, 6, 8, and 7, or 7 and 8 in, in order. We're actually going to bring 7 in on this one, and then we'll also have the 7 4A show. But we're going to kind of do that, but we're going to just kind of do it by the brackets. For example, um, I do think I, I think we can talk. Do, do you think Decatur counts as North Texas for you? I mean, of course they do. I mean, you've got, I, I've got this thing so wide out. You know, yeah. Brownwood in certain I, I could I could are not with their current alignment, but I've argued Brownwood in the the Metroplex in the past because you know they're right there with Stephenville yep. three seventy seven. I mean, you can get out there, but you know I don't even know what big country is at the end of the day. I mean, that, that's something somebody made up just for a marketing tool. Uh, but you know, these are the teams you need to know about. I mean, when you're looking at Region One, Four A, Division One, let's, let's just go ahead and fast forward three weeks let's just get brownwood and decatur on on that game and kind of figure that out because i think that's pretty much inevitable and that's one thing i hate about high school football it, it, the the fact that there are so many inevitable games like we could talk about canadian and gunner and just be like okay let's just fast forward get to canadian and gunner and everything else is just you know random talk yep. you know and, and every now and then you'll get a team that'll step up like can bells get to that next level can bells be competitive but we all know it's canadian and gunner and you know in, in 4a division one i think it's just brownwood and decatur and, and i know there's going to be a couple of teams that's going to be saying okay well you know what about this or, or or what about that uh but at the end of the day these two teams are at least two touchdowns better so it would take an absolute meltdown on that pathway for them not to be meeting in the in, in the regional finals i will say this i don't mind inevitability when it's a gunner canadian where anything in that game could happen i hate inevitability when it's oh Carthage is gonna play you know wimberley again and it's probably gonna be a 42 to 14 i hate that inevitability now i will say this on the top half of that bracket watch out for springtown that's a team that last year went one and nine with a bunch of sophomores. This year they started out slow. Actually, they started out with a good win. Then they kind of hit a rough patch. They're getting healthy. My issue with Brownwood is it's Ike Hall and everybody else on that team. And it, that, that's that type of when, when you're relying on that one guy in, at the 4A D1 level, usually you get kind of somebody will come up and bite you in the in the second or third round i do agree with you though eventually i do think it'll be brownwood indicator for that region but i mean who's going to do it i mean you, you're looking at that and, and springtown is in that pod so i mean if there's going to be a team you've kind of mentioned springtown as your as your sleeper team but i'm i'm a person and whether it's good or not if if i get a bad taste in my mouth about that team i have a hard time getting it I out agree. and I'm i was way. watching that scrimmage that brock and springtown scrimmage and how lethargic and i get brock is very good but how lethargic Brock made Springtown look. I mean, they made – if that game was a legit game, I know it's minus one in the season as far as, you know, not, it, schemes and all that. 
they would have won that game 77 nothing. I mean, there was just no semblance of any sort of offensive flow. And that's a 3A D2 or 3A D1 school in Brock. I know they got the numbers for uh, 4A Division II and they're, and they're going up. But, I mean, we're talking two classes, and Brock was just destroying Springtown. So I cannot get that taste out of my mouth. I, I know Springtown is better, but I worry it's one of the situations like Arlington ISD and 6A is when they got in district and kind of like the same thing with Glen Rose, it started looking better just because of who they were playing. And I don't know if this is necessarily going to be better when you go into the wider sphere of, of the Metroplex and North Texas and, and the good teams in the region. And I worry that Springtown is a little bit of a paper tiger because their district outside of Decatur was really not that good. So they're starting to get confidence beating up bad teams. Yeah, but let's let's point out that they lost by, to Decatur 23-17. I, I will point out that was a back-and-forth game. And in theory – in theory, you could say the exact same thing about Decatur. What's their big win? I, I think you can make the case that their big win is probably Springtown. Uh, now, they were competitive in those games against the bigger teams, but they still lost them. They lost by one to Stephenville. They lost by seven to Anna. Uh, they lost by, what, 22 to Wichita Falls Rider, I think it was. Lost by one to Alvarado. Uh, and then their wins are Pampa, Hershey, Burke Burnett, Wichita Falls, Mineral Wells, and Springtown. So I, I do think – well, I, I do agree. I, I think Decatur could actually run through this region with some pretty gnarly scores. I do think you can flip the argument you have for Springtown onto Decatur, and it, it's valid as well. It is valid, but, you know, it kind of gets back to that whole paradise – Brock paradigm yes. that when Brock looked across at the field at paradise, Good like point. Hey, you're fifth or sixth best we've seen. They look across the other way. That's the best team they've seen. Decatur playing those really good teams, even though they're losing, I think is going to prepare them. And I remember that Stephenville game. Oh, what a fun, crazy game yep. that was rain game, one thirty in the morning, Decatur blowing it effectively in, in that game. That lets me know the potential, the ceiling potential that Decatur has Whereas Springtown, you know, they're a gritty team and they've been, there. I mean, I remember the Springtown Hershey game a couple of years ago oh, yeah. where they made it to the regional finals. And, you know, you get to that level and anything can happen. But at the same time, I think Decatur is just but that ceiling potential is way higher than Springtown. That doesn't mean turnover, special teams play, crazy things can absolutely happen. But almost everybody else in the region, maybe a Lubbock Estacado uh, you could talk about, but everybody else in this 16-team bracket is just not that good. So we're going to have a team coming to the state semifinals who you know might even be a pretty big underdog in the state semifinals just because of who they are and, and the route that they've had to play. And, and, that, and that's kind of a bad thing about small schools, especially it seems to be region one always that region one. Yeah. It's so easy with the West Texas schools that when you get region two, you get some incredible blowouts. But at the same time, I remember Glen Rose Carthage last year thought the same thing. And we had an instant classic. Yeah. You know, I, I thought Canadian, I mean, Canadian, I thought Canyon for a while could be that team. Uh, their only loss going for a long time was against West Plains. Who's probably the four, a division two team coming out of that, that bracket. Uh, but then they lost to Dumas uh, in the play uh, in District 45-42. Kind of exposed that hey, you can score on them. Estacado, I kind of feel the same way, dude. Estacado, you're gonna if you go to a game, you're gonna be like they will not lose. They are freaking big. They're fast. They're athletic. And then three drives in, you go, oh, that's why they're struggling or not struggling, but struggling against good teams. So, so I'm like you. Right. I, I think the only team that's not a huge underdog coming out of the region as if it's Decatur. I think Brownwood's still kind of an underdog because when you lose to your rival who's on their third-string quarterback with the number 44 
as his jersey and you lose, I, I, I kind of tells me that you probably won't beat uh, a Stephenville again. You won't beat a, you know, a, even a Panther Creek. And we'll talk about them here in a minute. But let's go to Region 2. And this is where we're really in our home. And we're just going to start the – I'm just going to start the top, go to the bottom, uh, 4A Division One Region 2. You give me who wins. The, yeah, well, before that, before okay. that, we, we do seven for a talk. It's yes. what we do as far as that goes. Did you see the controversial play and what's your take on it? No, I have not. So I, I will, the whole reason I, well, part of the reason why we didn't do a show last week was a, uh, the Rangers clinched and I was not missing that Wednesday night game. And so I was like, Hey, I'll get digs on Thursday. And then I woke up Thursday and you can hear it now and you'll hear me cough. I've been under the weather. I I literally slept 17 hours Friday, 17 hours Saturday, 17 hours Sunday. All I know is Panther Creek won. All I know is it was weird. I don't know what happened on the play. Well, you you need to go watch it because it's one of those arguments that, you know, you may get a lot of viewer emails on it because everybody's going to have their own take on it. It was the last play of the game. One of those simultaneous possession catches was an interception. Was it a touchdown? It sure looked like an interception where the line would up won up that game for my image. And I have no, I have no battle. You know, I have, I have no you know, dog in the fight to where I'm going to be like watching it a little bit more for Salina. But it was one of those things where both players had it. The Salina player fell over and he had full possession of it at that point. Wow. And they still called it a touchdown for, for Panther Creek because I guess they said at the second he possessed it, it's over. But when you look into the rules of what it catches and kind of the crazy nature of that, it is a very philosophical, what is the catch? Does Bryant come on in and give us your, your feedback on that? Uh, but to me, the bigger story was that Panther Creek was so dominant in the game to where one play made such a difference in that game. And even now I'm looking at Anna, Anna, two straight weeks where you're looking at Anna like, this is not the dominance we were expecting. Region two has gone from it's the Salina versus Anna inevitability to a wide ranging competitive parity driven region where I think you could have four or five different winners that you could pick and make an argument for it. And no reasonable person could go, well, you're clearly wrong on that. Well, uh, I will go ahead and tell you right now, I have Salina losing in the first round. Wow. I have, again, I've said this all year on sideline to sideline, whenever we've talked to coaches or team or fans that have played Paris, even when they beat them, they've all came back and said, dude, if Paris will, once they figure out that offense, Paris is, is going to be really great. And Paris has started figuring. And, and for those that don't know, Paris ran a slot T wing T kind of hybrid for years this year. They've spread it out more. They have gone a little bit back under center a little bit, but and I know these are two losses, but losing the Sulphur Springs by seven. And by the way, you want to talk about a team that might be a dark horse in this region, the winner of Carter and, and, and Sulphur Springs, and then losing by to Anna by one. I just feel that maybe Paris is going to get Salina and not even talking about the Panther Creek. Let's not forget two weeks ago or maybe three weeks ago, calendar wise, Carter ran for 399 yards on Salina. So I, I just think Salina and by the way, I'm looking at that play and I hundred percent agree with you. I'm not understanding the call on that. I guess they are saying, and that is the end zone part of the, you know, if you're in the end zone, do you still have to go to the ground and all that? I, I what the whole catch thing is just confusing in today's world. Uh, but either way, like you said, for Panther Creek in that second half to 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 do what they did and, and at times push Salina around, I just think Salina is one of those teams that might be limping into the playoffs. 
They absolutely are. But Anna is now one of those teams limping in the playoffs because you can look at the, the Paris game as maybe a one-off Paris being that good, but then Sulphur Springs right after that. And I, I, Anna just looks a little bit off. Now Salina looks a little bit off. Panzer Creek is playing at such a high level. They're only lost against 5A Division II Frisco Emerson. So their resume is, is an immaculate. We know what Carter can do. And then you look up at the top half, six, six, four A is the only district I look at and go, ah, but you know, five, four, yep. or five, four, a Stephenville has a, you know, China spring has been there. Waco, La Vega played China spring and Stephenville very well. And then Alvarado is a team. I don't want to see in the first round. I'm sure Kennedale doesn't want to see him in the first round, but they have to, uh, you have some really good, good games. And when you get into round two, those five versus six versus seven versus eight games, and you're talking about whoever gets out of there, that is a, some fantastic football. And, and I made the comment a few weeks ago when we were talking about Anna and Salina in the game, even though I picked Salina to win against Anna, I came away from that game thinking Anna was the better team. Yeah. Uh, so now that Salina has had a little bit of a couple of hiccups now, you're, you could very well be onto something, but it, it was that Paris being great or was that Anna having something wrong with it internally to where Anna isn't quite the Anna that it was in week four, week five. So I, I have to figure this out because there's some wonky calibration now uh, when it comes to seven and eight. And you got a Carter team that can run the ball. You got Wilmer Hutchins. And now Wilmer Hutchins might be looking at an Anna team that has struggled for a couple of weeks now against Sulphur Springs and uh, against Paris. And they might be thinking, well, if our running game can do it, you know, we can yeah. run on Anna. This could be some fun games in seven and eight. Yeah. And you're, if you did told me at the beginning of the year, we'd get Anna and China spring in the second round, I'd have been like, wow, something went wrong. And technically it has, but it's, I mean, China Spring is still China Spring. Though I do think, I think this year, and I don't know if it could be injuries, I, I think there's a de defensive deficiency with China Spring. I mean, yeah, losing to Stephenville 31 to 21 is fine. But when you give, and I don't care if you were up 68 to nothing, if you're giving up 52 points to Waxahachie Life, there's something there depth-wise, scheme-wise, whatever that that's an issue that it might not hurt you against Lake Worth, but it will hurt you if you are playing Anna in the second round or La Vega again in, in a rematch of a game that was absolutely thrilling 52 to 49 that China spring had to score late in that game. So China spring two time state champs yet if, of all the talk about Anna being vulnerable and all that, I feel like China spring might be the most vulnerable team of the Titans in this region. And can you think if, if it happens, and, and obviously it might be the most likely game to happen in the second round of the uh, of the 16-team pods, but they get Panther Creek La Vega looking at each Jeez. other. And, and what are you going to make of that game? Just because, you know, Waco La Vega has, has had some losses, but they've had some very competitive losses. And then you got Panther Creek, who is relatively untested other than Swine and Emerson, but is a great feel-good story. You put them together, but playoff La Vega is a completely different monster. We have no playoff Panther Creek because it's a new school. They haven't really been here. Yeah, and you know, I'd even said before the Salina game that Panther Creek checked off a lot of the boxes of, of talent, size, depth, good coaching, good quarterback, but they didn't always look like they were a team. Well, I think that that bonding, that win, and how they won against Salina solidifies that. But you're right, La Vega, dude. All we talked about all year about them was their, their, their defensive issues for a La Vega program. It was odd that they could outscore people. But let me tell you what they've done since uh, Yoakum. They held a very good 3A Yoakum to 21. 
Uh, the China Spring game was a, blo- a high scoring, but they held a very good Alvarado offense to, the, to 28. And then they held Stephenville, even though they lost, they held Stephenville to 23 points. So, and, and Stephenville's offense is back fully healthy. Something is telling me that that, that youth on that defensive side is starting to bow up. And if that offense with that, that quarterback and running back uh, moving in, if, if they keep rocking like this, I, La Vega definitely has that dark horse. Though they really wouldn't be, but they would be by their record, dark horse region run in them. Oh, absolutely. Because like we talked about, everybody is so competitive. When you kind of look at this numerically, you know, or look at the computer polls or the, the rankings or whatever, Stephenville, China Spring, Panther Creek, Salina, Anna, all within the touchdown other so i mean you know you and, and la vega just right there with them you know at, at two or three points under that so the, again wide open who's going to get on a run and la vega i mean six and four is nothing to sneeze at but they're having a hard time winning those close games can they figure it out defense is what can do that and that that defensive sale that you just gave might indicate that if they keep gelling and going at this trajectory they're going in the right place you've got waco la vega trending up with, well, at the same time you got anna and salina trending down and china spring right there trending down that's going to be a very dangerous team yeah and, and honestly you know the way grant and i do our playoffs is we pick every game and at the end of the region we give our who do we think will be in the region championship and we do that every week, and and and, it, and the reason is because it can change. And I have a feeling that's how this is going to be. I have a – right now, if you were to ask me, I still feel that Anna and Stephenville are heading for a region final. But after next – after this first week, and even if both of them win and win convincingly, I might tweak that. But right now, if you were to – if I had to, I would say Stephenville-Anna for the region. And I'm sure Panther Creek is sitting there looking at like, hey – don't do not forget about exactly. us. And they might love that chip on their shoulder because numerically, you know, they're right there. I mean, you know, what's their bad loss? You know, what's their bad game? Frisco Emerson, who five, a division two, they may win five, a division two region one, yeah. that, that region up there. So, you know, that even and that game was a back and forth game till the third quarter when they finally Emerson finally got a couple of stops and, and pulled away in that game. So Panther Creek has a story, but I love the dark horses because in a world where we're talking about, you know, Oh, it's going to be Anna Stephenville, China spring, all of these bellwether big names. The fact that, you got Waco La Vega. The fact you got Wilmer Hutchins and Carter and Paris and Sulphur Springs all there that can make a case, that's going to make this probably the most interesting and entertaining region in the state. Now, as exciting as Class 4A Division One Region 2 is, Class 4A Division Two Region 2 outside of Gilmer, Pleasant Grove, and Carthage is not as exciting. This has been a... Uh, in my opinion, a really down year for this region. Aubrey and Quinlan Ford, uh, they're fair to Midland. Cattle Mills and Farmersville, they're fair to Midland. Van Alstine, okay. I'm happy that Wills Point got in. Uh, they hadn't been in in a while, and that was a team when I first started. was a, a consistent 3A playoff team. Uh, but in Region 2, at the end of the day, it's still going to be, in my opinion, Carthage, Pleasant Grove, and Gilmer. I mean, it, it is, and even when we get into that second round of the playoffs, I can't see any of the District 7, District 8 teams losing to any of the District 5 or District 6 teams. You know, Sunnyvale has a, has a nice record. They had that good, good win against Carter at, at one point, but, you know, it, it it's all bad football, you know, and, and yeah. look at what they did against Aubrey. Yeah, but Aubrey didn't really have anybody to play, and it's one of those games where, kind of like Glen Rose, we talk about them uh, in, in, in Region 1, that it, it 
got better once they started playing teams in their district, you know, and once they started playing bad teams, because Sunnyvale and Auburn, you got to play good teams in non-district to get them ready. And they got beat up and they got beat up pretty significantly. Uh, but I just look, you know, when I, when I look at these pairings, there's nothing that's going to say, okay, uh, Aubrey against Van, I'm probably going to take Van, you yeah. know, you got Sunnyvale versus Gilmer, probably going to take Gilmer, you know, Pleasant Grove against Caddo Mills, Pleasant Grove's a big favorite, Carthage against Van Alstine or Will's Point, I mean, not, then you're going to have Carthage, Pleasant Grove, Gilmer, and, and Van at the end of the day, you know, as your final four, it's all seven and eight, and these are teams that are all familiar with each other, and then at the end of the day, it's the Carthage show because I think uh, now I know Pleasant Grove feels like that they've been building up. Like, you yeah. know, the game against Brock was an anomaly and they got better from that. But again, I talked about my weakness, Brock just making a lot of teams looking bad with Springtown. I am just thinking of that game that they shouldn't have beat Brock. And they basically effectively got shut out except for one play in the fourth quarter at the last minute. So now I'm thinking to myself, when Texas play, or when Pleasant Grove is playing an athletic size team, they're going to get shut down. So I, I get that they've been better, but I still got that bad taste out of my mouth. So I need them to have a, a good convincing win outside the district and in this playoff run that gets rid of that memory for me, because that's what I think about when I think about Pleasant Grove. And I will say this, do not count out center upsetting Gilmer. Uh, center can score with anybody. They've struggled on defense. Gilmer at times has been really good defensively, and at times they've not been really good defensively. And center legitimately has a running back, quarterback, wide receiver that all three might end up playing. I mean, all three will play college ball. Two of the three, maybe all three could end up at D1. So there could be an upset. And don't count out Van either. I, I, we saw Van versus Carthage, and it's Carthage, and they won 35-7. to But, man, Van made them work for everything. So – I, unfortunately for the Dallas Fort Worth part, the North Texas part, yeah, it, it's a it's just a bad region, and this is why when me and Coach Billy Mathis of Brock is talking, he's like, man, if there's any way we can end up in that region too, yeah, you've got to worry about Carthage at some point, but the, the first three rounds are just, I mean, if Brock's in this, if Brock is Aubrey's spot. I, I would have Brock this year playing Gilmer in round three. Uh, and so I, I, Brock is really kind of hoping that they end up in this region too. But anyway, that's class 4A division two. Now let's go to class 3A region one. Uh, Before you get off of that, okay. I, I want to tap into your knowledge because okay. I, I got to use you a little bit because you're the sideline, the sideline guy. And I know you got one foot in East Texas and one foot in DFW covering non-district games, doing the coverage and, and, and doing picks. Gilmer looked two steps below what Gilmer has been the last five years. Yep. Now that they've been through this district, are you still feeling like that? Or do you think they've figured it out a little bit? Well, I, that, that's why I, I think, uh, I, I think center can upset them. Uh, and, and I think if they do get past center, I think Van can beat them. I do think Gilmer has started figuring out. I, I'm, I'm a little, and I know early season, it, it confuses me though, that they lost by one point to Kilgore and Kilgore all of a sudden now looks like they're the favorite in, in four, a division one region three in a solid region. Uh, but then they get just their doors blown off by pleasant Grove. Now you and I keep talking about the Brock grant, has watched a lot of Pleasant Grove, and he keeps telling me, dude, they have locked in. That, that, that spreading the ball out more and spreading the offense out more, that if, if that, he says if they were to play Brock right now, and Brock's playing, you know, maybe Brock's back to being a favorite in Class 3A Division One. he thinks that they would beat Brock by two or three touchdowns. So he has gotten bigger and bigger on Pleasant Grove, and it, the, the scores kind of make that point. 
Uh, but going back to Gilmer, I, I think they're on that balance. I could see them making a run all the way to the region final. I could see them getting beat this week. So that that's where I'm at at Gilmer. They're all over the place. They're young, still on offense. Uh, Will Henderson at running backs is an absolute stud. They they play more of that than you do. They still do their you know their wide receiver screens twenty times. And Caden Tennyson, uh, he's starting to come into that role. I will say this next year. Gilmer's going to be – I don't care where they're at in the region. It's going to be them and Carthage, I think, for – and Pleasant Grove, but Pleasant Grove lose a lot. So I know that's kind of an all-over-the-place answer because that's kind of where I am with Gilmer. And that makes it fun, though. I mean, that's that's why I'm – I'm even in a region that's down outside of the top three or four teams, it's still fun because Gilmer's good enough to contend, but they're also not good enough to get beat in the first round, if that makes sense. And to kind of give the, the, the tie the bow on this and give our area teams, DFW area teams, at least a little bit of a glimmer of hope. If you look at some of the computer polls and, and it's just a, it's just a metric, Aubrey and Sunnyvale are right there with Gilmer in higher than Van and center. I don't get that in my head and in my calibration. I think that, you know, you blow out some bad teams, pretty good. Your, your computer polls, your numbers go up. Yeah. But I, I don't see that. You know, I don't see that closeness from, from my perspective early season, but the, the computer polls might be disagreeing with us about uh, how far away Aubrey and Sunnyvale are from the Gilmer van, you know, Carthage and Pleasant Grove are on a completely different plane, but if the computer polls are right, those are all one, you know, 10 point games, you know, as, as predictive value goes. So interesting, we'll find out. Sometimes the computer polls are a little bit more insightful. They take that bias out, but sometimes, you know, they just clearly don't understand because they haven't seen the games. It's just numbers and scores and, and things like that. Uh, so just a little bit of a note for if you're if you're an Aubrey fan or you're a Sunnyvale fan, you might be looking at those metrics going, hey, you know, maybe we're not as far away as we think you are, you idiots on on this radio on this podcast are. But I still think there's a pretty big gap between East Texas and, and DFW area. Well, and this is where computers don't understand context because what's going to hurt Van is they lost to Bullard last week. Well, they lost to Bullard last week because they basically played a quarter and then sat their guys because win or loss they weren't moving up or down that they were stuck where they were as the number two seed. And they couldn't, they couldn't, they'd already lost to Carthage. They, they couldn't lose ground because they'd beat center. They'd beat Rusk and Bullard wasn't making the playoffs. So they lose 28 to 21. That's going to bring them down in the computers. But if you know the context, Oh, they lost because they basically, it, it was just like the NFL when you don't have anything to play on your last weekend. And that's what coaches are doing more now than they didn't do. Even 10 years ago, 10 years ago, you, you just kept everybody out. Cause you're, you're winning every game. That's what you want to do. Now coaches are like, well, I got banged up guys. I'm going to sit them down. And if we win great. And if we lose that sucks, but we'll move on and we'll move on to right. class three, a division one. We're going to start in region one. Is there any chance Vernon pulls the shocker off and beats paradise this week? Cause that's one of the games that I've kind of circled. I've tried to watch as much as I can on Vernon. Haven't got to see a lot. I, I think paradise has righted the ship after Brock. I think they've refocused well, but if there's a chance, do you feel that the lions could pull an upset off? One thing, and, and I, I am so you know when I when I start doing the District Four Three A show and and trying to calibrate Three Three A and Four Three A, there's just you know there are elements of research that you know you just don't know. Maybe if you're on the ground, if you're a, if you're a Vernon Iowa Park Jim Ned Clyde person, you understand this. My perspective, I don't understand this. Last couple of weeks, Vernon's best player Kale Sherrill has not been in the box score. Yeah. 
to me, he ain't the box score. There's no chance. You know, if, if there's an injury type of thing, coach's son played great at, at times. Uh, now they've played well with with their backups, but you know, is this a case where he's gone for the year or is this a case where he's got a little bit of a turf toe? So we're just going to hold him out for two weeks or our position, you know, you kind of talked about with Van isn't going to improve or unimprove. Now last week, you know, between uh, Jim Ned and Iowa park, you're, you're Iowa Park can go first or Iowa Park can go fourth. So they had some big variability. Uh, but Vernon was pretty much locked into where, where they were going to be either way. Uh, and, and it's a shame that you got Paradise and Vernon playing in the first round. I did a, a ranking for the District 4-3A show, uh, ranked everybody in this region 1-16. to 16. I have Paradise 2 and Vernon 6. And you got two versus six in the first round. Uh, so I definitely think that Vernon can be competitive and play with them. But if they don't have Cheryl, there's no chance in that game. Uh, and now we have all also, the second scenario that I'm considering, uh, you're looking at the meteorology side of things. Yeah. It's going to be a very wet game on Thursday. Uh, to me, that gives Paradise even more of an advantage because they love to run the ball. And if Fernand is trying to have a quarterback, a backup quarterback in there with a wet ball, I keep, keep adding touchdowns to the Paradise total when it comes to that. Yeah, good point, because honestly, Vernon actually kind of does what Paradise does. They, they, you know, Cheryl, I know against Iowa Park, he had – crazy numbers like 230 yards rushing through the third quarter uh, and so they're going to do a lot like what paradise does and you're right but now in saying that wet ball can wet ball doesn't care who's the better player wet ball is still wet ball and so you know austin iglesias i still you know i i don't know where they'll slot him in in 3a division one because uh, Grant and I were talking about this. I don't remember a time in 3A, even back when it was one whole class, I don't remember a time where you have as many good quarterbacks in one division in 3A like you do now, where, you, you know, especially in the Region 3 with Columbia's quarterback, Schobel and uh, Jones at Hitchcock, and even Clyde, man, uh, Carr, Blake Carr, he's been a stud. And, of course, Austin Iglesias. So I, he should get player of the year, in my opinion. I don't know if he will. Uh, but I, you know, if, if the if it's really wet and the ball's bouncing all over the place, I, I still think Paradise wins. I still, though, am concerned uh, if, if Paradise is still looking at Brock, 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 and then they're going to get Bushland in the third round or Jim Ned, but I think it'll be Bushland. I, I don't know if what will happen because Bushland damn well can beat Paradise. But you know, you talk about Blake and and Clyde and and kind of how that works with that. Clyde is a one-man show, exactly. and, and, if, and, and we got some defensive teams. I mean, Brock and Paradise are both high-end defensive teams that can play. Bushland, they're going to have to have to win in shootouts, and I think defense travels, especially when we're talking about weather games, and probably t- we're two weeks away from a cold front where it's going to be miserable. I think it's inevitable we're going to get Paradise and Brock in, in the regional finals. Uh, there's going to be some fun storylines to get us there. Uh, I think Whitesboro has a really good chance in the, in the first round. Uh, against Jim Ned because Jim Ned is clearly not when you go read that Jim Ned and Iowa Park report Jim Ned scored with like two minutes left in the fourth quarter to make it 7-7 to get it to overtime I mean they're their injuries have made their offense kind of lethargic and Whitesboro against Ponder last week 
got a little bit something going. Max Parker had his best game of the year. Uh, we know Clay Hermes can sling the ball around at times. So if Whitesboro can start to approximate what they look like, and they've got, I mean, they made it to the fourth round the last couple of years. So they've got that playoff pride going in there. If all they, if they can just get 10 points better, they can very well uh, beat Jim Ned. And if Jim Ned is 10 points worse than, you know, where they are because of injuries, that's one of my dark horse upset watches right there is, is Jim Ned and, and Whitesboro. I'm still going to take Jim Ned by a couple points, but that's a game I'm keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think the issue is, is when Whitesboro plays a good defense, they tend to struggle. And, and Jim Ned, even though that, you know, they lost their quarterback, their running backs banged up, I think they have a couple of injuries on the O-line. Their defense has been solid. I do know this, though. Uh, with Brock leaving that district and everybody pretty much feeling like the district's going to almost stay the same paradise. I, I, I know they were on the line, but I haven't looked if they're going to drop down Whitesboro and Ponder next year and Peaster that this district's going to miss Brock, but it's still going to be a really good district if they keep holding. Speaking of Peaster, I'm going to tell you what you talk about Clyde and Peaster, man, they're going to play keep away. And that's, you know, that their head coach is Trevor Owen, Mickey Owens, son who, who was at Monahan's for 30 years. And, he ran the slot T to perfection, and I don't have any trust on Clyde. To, you know, this is this has been a historical year for Clyde. I don't have any trust on them. And if it's raining and Peaster can get that offense going and play keep away, it would not shock me in any way if they pull the upset off of Clyde. You know, and, and we I, I give the metaphor of Brock and Paradise when they were looking at each other, Peaster playing Toller and in, in non district yep. having played Brock and Paradise. I know they got hammered in, in those three games, but those are those character building games where Clyde and Clyde is, you know, kind of a Whitesboro ish kind of a team uh in their tier and that game was a one point game, Peaster and Whitesboro, uh where it, it took a pretty remarkable comeback from Whitesboro and a two point conversion with no time left for Whitesboro to beat Peaster in that game. So Peaster Easter is absolutely able. They are able to run the ball and take the, take the wind out of that clock. And if they can have these three possession halves against Clyde, that, that bodes very well for, for Peaster. Yeah. And it's funny with, with Clyde having the great year that they've had uh, with, with uh, Vernon having a great year, Bushland being back. It, I, I'm like you, it still feels like at the end of the day, I don't know why it just feels like we've got a paradise Brock, uh, collision course coming back the only thing is i'm usually a big believer of if you lose the first one you win the second one i don't know with this one it just feels like brock has paradise's number well, ever since like this is season three of me doing the district four three a report, which means I know way too much about these <laughs> teams. And and all three years uh, we've had the district four three a regional finals. Whitesboro the last two years, so I, I think it would be fitting to give me uh, Paradise and uh, Brock for this year. But you know, Brock took care of both those seasons as well. So you know, they they had the rematch and they went ahead and, and took care of business. Uh, I'm gonna have to see what Paradise does in their playoff games to see if they've gotten any better because them beating the the heck out of the teams in district four, three, eight doesn't tell us anything. We've got to see them playing teams at their level because they played high up. They played Brock and they played low down. They haven't really played those middle teams, which is what this region is, has plenty of yeah. uh, because the region is not great. I mean, you look at some of these teams. I mean, the fact that you have a Dalhart Denver city first <laughs> round game, that is just absolutely horrible. Like I'm, I'm sure 
Pilot Point is wishing, get me a game against one of these teams. We could probably uh, be competitive. So read, uh, District 1 and District 2, uh, spe- especially outside of uh, Bushland, are, are very, very down. Now, Shallow Water might have something to say. You were talking about classic teams to kind of keep an eye on yeah. dark horses. Shallow Water is sitting at 5-5, five and 2-2. Five, two and two. Both District 1 and District 2 had three-way ties at 2-2 two and two for second to fourth place. Uh, so there, there's a lot of parity involved. Uh, but Shallow Water is definitely a team that you got to kind of keep an eye on uh, because when you really look at uh, the, their pathway, uh, they have a chance to maybe get to that third round. I think Brock is definitely the end of the road as far as that goes with them. Uh, but Shallow Water is definitely a team that has a lot of playoff pedigree and could definitely make a run. Yeah, I, mean, I was almost going to say it feels like it's going to be the North normal Brock shallow and you took it out of my hand and you're right this region is really top heavy and so people think of it as a tough region and it, it is once you hit the third round it's the first two rounds where I think you're going to see you know a little bit of eh and unless there's an upset or two all right let's go to region two and, and you and I we're, we're not one of those that only are going to talk the DFW team's because it's North Texas, we're talking the whole region. If one Dallas or North Texas team is in a region, we talk the whole region because I do think this region is going to be just an absolute war from week one on. I I can see upsets. I can see three or four different teams making it. But at the end of the day, I don't see anybody beating Malakoff or Winsboro. Those are my top teams to make the region final. And maybe partially I'm kind of rooting for that because I think that's going to be an absolutely amazing game. I think so. And you talk about, you know, from three to 16, how much fun we're going to have. And even in district, you kind of saw some of those upsets happening last week. And I, you know, you talk about some uh, not meaningful games. Well, there are some meaningful games for me, Mount Vernon beating Pottsboro last week was yes. a meaningful win for, for Mount Vernon to kind of reestate, reestablish themselves just a couple of years ago where they were a field goal away from beating Brock. And now, you know, they kind of take a couple of steps back. I don't think we're not talking about that Mount Vernon. Obviously, Winsboro is still the the cream of the crop, and maybe that verge that spot that spot that Mount Vernon had a couple of years ago is now Winsboro's spot. But I mean, we're talking about Mount Vernon and Gladewater in the playoffs. We're talking about how Atlanta's had a couple of upsets, and I know Atlanta playing Winsboro is not a very good draw for them. Uh, you know, having losing that game uh, last week really kind of set them off, and then the fact that you had Jefferson and Tatum and. There was a lot of parity in that district. You had four and one, four and one, three and two, and three and two for those four teams uh, that made it. But I believe last year didn't five sweep six right on out of the playoffs. Yeah, you know that that was kind of a, a little bit of an upset. Jefferson had come into that district. They surprisingly won district last year, but they'd won it convincingly. Uh, and I, I even thought that they were going to have a, a little bit of a, you know, a dark horse run. And Mineola thumped them in that first round. I think it was like thirty to seven or something. Uh, Atlanta. You know, I thought they were going to be better. I thought they were going to be way better. I don't know if it's injuries or or what. Uh, They just could never get consistently going. I I think they only won two games in a row once. That's when they were 2-0. They went to 2-3 and at that point. And then the rest of the season, they basically beat who they should have and lost to who they should have. Uh, Gladewater, man, they're a shell. They only get in because Sabine had some injuries. Sabine, I thought, was going to make the playoffs. They started off well. They played West Rusk, who's all of a sudden looking like they're going to be a pretty good team in a tough out. They played them well early. Uh, but then they played Pittsburgh uh, and, and Atlanta and, and got really beat up in those two games and just never was able to, you know, get back into it. I want to say this. I will. I'm, I'm saying this right now. 
I will apologize to Clayton George of Mount Vernon. I thought I, I was I thought that was a weird hire, um, I, and he has quickly established Mount Vernon. They're not a great team, but they're young, and he has quickly established them a, as a team that. They might get uh, beat in round two against Malakoff this year, but I think next year, with everybody coming back, Mount Vernon might be quicker back to being a top team in the region. And when you talk about how good this region is, I'm just going to give you a couple of pairings that might happen and might not happen. But second round games, you got potentially Winsboro West. Yep. You got potentially Whitney Tatum. You got potentially Grandview versus Pottsboro or Jefferson. And then you got Malakoff, uh, Mount Vernon, like you talked about. Those are some really solid second round games. And, you know, again, I get the inevitability of of Malakoff and Winsboro, the way they've been playing. But, you know, they're going to get pushed. You know, there there are some really good teams in there. Uh, You know, it's not that they're going to show up like Gunter. Gunter's going to show up. They're going to probably win by five scores up until Canadian. It's not going to be this way with this region too. And it's been like this every single year. I remember West having some good runs in there uh, in the last couple of years. I, I saw a West game at Roy city where I think they went 14 to seven and, you know, it's just defense. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, uh, w- welcome to West comma, Texas to our, uh, to our, to my immediate uh consciousness and so region two is going to be a fun region but you're, you're right and, and you've been on Winsboro I was a little bit skeptical of Winsboro I thought Pottsboro was a little bit better but now Pottsboro losing to Mount Vernon the way they have I think Pottsboro is just one of that middle tier of teams uh, that's going to get fed to Winsboro or, or Malakoff and whoever comes out of that game I think there's a reasonable arguments for both of uh, Winsboro and Malakoff, who you want to pick to, to win the region. Who have you guys been picking on sideline to sideline? You talked about you've been picking region winners. Uh, yeah, we, we right now, I, I, I still have Malakoff. I, I love Winsboro, but I don't know. There's just, we talked about how Paradise reacted with Brock and how they focused on Brock and that that's drove them. Well, Malakoff did too. And it's not that they lost to Brock, but Malakoff felt that they got pushed around. And Malakoff's one of those teams that don't usually get pushed around. Well, they did what Paradise did, but they did it quieter. They did more of the chip on our shoulder. We're going to remember this through the offseason and through the regular season. So to me, they were great last year. They lost a ton this year, but Mike Jones at quarterback, that offensive line is jailed really quick. That defense is really fast. I, I still think Malakoff by seven, but I, I want to point out Tatum. This is this is one of those teams that they could either lose in the first round because their quarterback Cole Watson. And when we talked about Austin Iglesias, Cole Watson, go look up his stats and, and and watch his film. If y'all, if if anybody listening hasn't watched him, he is a guy that has carried that team. He 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 has done an amazing thing. He started as a freshman in Wascombe, and then when the coaching staff got the job at Tatum, his dad is the defensive coordinator at Tatum. Uh, and so he moved to Tatum and, and Tatum has struggled under the system as they're trying. It, it takes a while to learn a system, but they started playing well this year. And then he got hurt last week. He's 50, 50 to play. He is so good that if he doesn't play, I think commerce is a favorite, not a lot, but I think commerce would win if he does play and he can play well, I think that they can beat Commerce. And then I also think that because of how good he is and how athletic the team is, they can make a dark horse run and, and beat Whitney and end up playing Winsboro in that third round. But at the end of the day, for me, it's just it's Winsboro and Malakoff, and I don't really think that's going to change. I can't argue much with you, but, I, but they did play a little bit of defense in 7-3. I know it's some bad that's charter true. teams over there, uh, but Whitney, Grandview, West, 
do show me that they can play a little bit of defense and that could spell uh, problems for for Tatum that might be a one-man show. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. If you're wanting to pick Tatum as a dark horse, uh, you know, Whitney to me looks more like a, that dark horse. I don't and, even and know if I they're a dark horse, though. I think Whitney, uh, Whitney, I mean, I guess if they, because they would get Winsboro in the third round, I guess if right. they're a dark horse in that aspect, as I think Winsboro would be the favorite. But yeah, and it's and I'm not saying that, if Tatum gets to the second round and they beat Whitney, it's because I think anything less of Whitney, honestly, it's odds. I mean, that's me and Grant were talking about that yesterday before we recorded, and we're just kind of marking off what we thought. And I'm like, dude, you know we're, there's so many upsets that we're just not seeing right now that, that are going to happen. And so I've tried to take a look at all these games that where the upsets could happen. And that's why I say I think Tatum – and just, you know how it is in Texas high school football. You, yeah, it's sometimes those one-man teams get beat, but sometimes those one-man teams start to get kind of magical at some point. And then all of a sudden a junior running back who might have had 300 yards all season long, all of a sudden he's hitting teams for 120, 130 yards. So that that's kind of the Tatum. I'm just trying to find – some upsets because I feel like I've been way too heavy on the favorite side, if that makes sense. Well, the favorites are big favorites, but you know, you kind of mentioned at the beginning of our discussion that that hard to win the second game, Grandview Malakoff, that's going to be a rematch if it happens in the third yeah. round. So has Grandview learned anything from that or is Malakoff inevitable? That'll be a fascinating storyline to consider as well. well. And those teams know each other. And I, I say it every time and grant last, but almost every time it happens, uh, that they feel, except for this year, uh, it was a pretty big blowout. But usually that game's a 21 17 game. And those teams, I mean, you can't even. I remember talking with uh, Coach Driscoll at Malakoff about uh, them and, and Grandview. He goes, We can't even surprise each other because we think we're going to surprise each other. And then the other coach will be like, Oh, yeah, y'all did that six years against us. And it's like we didn't even remember. So that's why I, I love those type of rematches. All right, let's go to Class 3A Division 2, Region 2. Uh, is there any chance? I, I was trying to word this. How, okay, I'll put it better this way. How shocked would you be if Gunner did not win the region? I would be incredibly shocked. But I will say, I will say, uh, I think uh, going up to Region One, it's it, in kind of just doing it. Okay. I think Wall is closer to the Canadian than anybody is closer yeah. to to Gunter. But, so to that end, I think that Gunter. The upset of Gunter has to be Plano East John Tyler flukish at that point because oh, they're four touchdowns better than everybody in this region. Yeah, that's a real good point. But I, and I agree with you that Wall is closer, but I still don't think Wall's that close. I, I, I still think – I think Canadian and Gunter are the two teams – uh, that will not only roll through their regions, but they're going to put up some basketball scores on some really solid teams, mainly because up in Region 1, outside a wall, it's a pretty down year. Yeah, Roosevelt 7-3, and three, but this isn't the Lubbock Roosevelt that went a couple years ago to the region finals. Uh, you know, early I thought was going to be solid this year. They're 5-5. Five and five. Now, in saying that, uh, th their first round uh, game, they're going to win, but then they'll get Canadian in the second round. Idaloo hasn't been that good. Spearman's way too young. That's a it's an ugly region. Now in region two, I think it's just because Gunner's that good because I like Jacksboro. I like Holiday. I think Bells has bounced back when everybody thought that they were going to take a huge step back. Uh, they didn't. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just Gunner is just so far ahead of them. I, I feel like it's going to be like it has been the last few years. Holiday will beat Bells in the third round. Gunner will beat Holiday in the region final, and it won't be close. And Gunner's going to play Canadian again, and that's just how it's going to be. 
And and we talk about dark horses, and it's hard to have dark horses when you're looking at Gunner. Yeah. Whenever your Gunner inevitability hits, but Comanche is a team I'm looking at. I think Henrietta Comanche is kind of a 50-50 game. Scurry roster is a paper tiger, so they're they're ten and zero. They're going to probably beat Blue Ridge in the first round. I think if Comanche can win that game, they could beat Scurry roster and get to that third round. Now Gunner again, that's the the, the place where it ends. But at the same time, I, I don't. I would take Bells over Jacksboro in the second round. Uh, so uh, the holiday is probably going to be a pretty big favorite to get to that second uh, or get to the third round as well. Uh, you know, they're not going to be looking at Eastland, Palmer, or Leonard, that little pot of teams like, oh, that, there's no real competitiveness there. So, yeah, I, I think it, just go ahead and ride it in. We're going to have holiday and uh, holiday and Gunner potentially. Bells holiday? Mm, I, I, if Bells has made that step, Bells uh, could definitely be competitive with holidays. So that's kind of. To me, a 60-40 game where so I'm not going to immediately go, you know, Holiday's going to win that game. Uh, but Gunter, that's inevitable. Gunter Canadian, I mean, we're, we talked, we break down all of these things in, in all the other regions. But, you know, there, there's a couple that I think are just so far ahead of everybody. Canadian's one of them. Gunner is one of them. And as a spoiler alert, as we get to 2A, Polar is one of them as well. You know, and the funny thing is, is I am tired of North shore and Duncanville. I am tired of it. I'm sorry. I'm tired of it. It's partly because it's and and this is actually a uh, compliment to the defenses. It's boring. The games are close, but they're kind of boring. Canadian gunner. I can't get enough of it. I want that game. I, I can't wait to see it now. You know, I, I do a holiday show. If holiday ends up upsetting gunner, I'm perfectly fine with that, but I'm actually looking forward to gunner Canadian. It's been fun, and I'm going to try to find Wichita Falls, Vernon, or wherever they're going to play on the 287 corridor. You know, I've, I've yet to see a Canadian Gunner game in person. I, I'm always somewhere where I'm reading about it. it. It's, you know, live play-by-play is happening, and I'm wishing I was there. I might have to go make my way, find my way to that game this year. No, I totally agree with you. All right, you brought up Toller, so let's go to Class 2A. Uh, and talk Region 2. And Toller, the, the, when you look at this region – I do think if Marlin can get past Coleman, I think that they can present the same issue that Crawford has against Toller over the years, and that's been Toller's kryptonite. And speaking of, watch out for Crawford. Everybody kind of wrote them off, and here they are. And you look at their draw, and they've got, I think, uh, and I know Nakona, uh, Grant even picked uh, Daly on in that game. Nakona's 8-1, and one, but they're kind of like Scurry Rosser. It's, uh, it's kind of a hollow 8-1, and one, and that's not an offense to the players. I'm just talking about the schedule. Um, so Crawford and Toller in round three, and I do feel that there's a little bit of a mental thing with Toller. I think on the field they're the better team, but – until you beat a team you haven't beaten in, what, four years or whatever it is, you have to beat them. So I do still think that that's a possible roadblock for them. I think that's a bigger roadblock than Marlin because you talk about I agree, the, I agree. the mindset and whatnot. I watched Toller go 70 on Marlin last year in the playoffs at Crowley. And, you know, I, I can't – it's one of those things, you know, is Toller 50 points worse? Is Marlin 50 points better than last year? You know, the answer is no to both of those questions. Yep. Uh, so I don't think they're going to be looking across at Marlin with any sort of fear. It's going to be 14 nothing before the game even starts if it's a Toller-Marlin uh, regional finals as far as that goes. But that that's what – what Toller is going to probably need to propel themselves. Peyton Brown came back last week. Yep. 
Uh, so he, he got a few carries in that game. I, I, he's not 100%. Uh, but, you know, the way that this works out until Crawford, there's still three more weeks for him to get eight to ten reps just to be a little bit healthier, get a little bit, get his uh, you know football shape back in. Uh, so, you know, that's probably what they're looking at. Okay, we got Crawford. We got to get past this. You were part of this team last year lead us in, in this game. And I think that they're going to be good enough uh, to do that. They're going to be big favorites over Crawford, but you make an amazing point that you got to win that, that game. And we've seen it multiple times. There are a lot of examples of that team that you had a problem with, even though you are way better than them, you still have to beat them and you still have to find a way uh, to do it. And in kind of in a micro, you know, and, and sometimes when it happens, it happens dramatically. Take the Soto Duncanville this year, the Soto being that little brother for five years, all of a sudden, they win. They win drastically. They put it to Duncanville. Uh, so I think Toler is going to need to do something like that to get those demons out of their head. They're going to have to put it to Crawford. And in the third round, that, that's always going to be a tough draw. That was at Burleson last year. So we'll find out where they would play it uh, this year. And that could be a potential Diggsy game, uh, checking that out. Because I'm more interested in Toler Crawford than I am in Toler Marlin, which on paper is the better game. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, and I was looking, and, and Toler hasn't been beat Crawford in the last six matchups and and they haven't been blowouts they've I mean a couple of them were a couple years ago when Crawford was making their runs to state and everything in the state semifinals uh but a lot of them have been 14-7 like last year 21-17 and stuff so I I do think and I'm like you I I I could see Toller breaking through and winning like 42 to 14 but I could also see it being that game where Crawford just kind of keeps around and Toller starts thinking crap why haven't we shaken them yet we just can't do it uh and so that's going to be the fun thing other than that this is a pretty crappy region to be honest with you Coleman is okay that's why I think Marlin makes a run I think Marlin's the most athletic team on this south side of the bracket Coleman has been uh, they're an okay eight and two they're not great Uh, Alvord's been an okay six and three Axtell at nine and oh kind of like Scurry Rosser uh, so, yeah, this is Toller. If Toller doesn't win this region, I might be – I think that would be almost on the same level of Gunter not winning their region. I completely agree. And, and the difference between uh, the, the Gunter comparison is I'm looking at uh, region one, and there's nobody good up there either. I mean, I feel like Toller has a pretty easy route to the state championship game. Now, that's going to be the problem. Uh, you know, the state title game is where it's going to get fun. But this whole half of the 32 teams over there, Toller is two to four touchdowns better than all of them. I mean, I'm looking at Stratford and Panhandle as the only two to potential teams, maybe Sonora, if they, if they got a little bit of a, Don't a, count a bounce out here and there. Don't count out Holly. Don't count out Holly. And, you know, Holly Stanford, you know, that that's kind of getting into the big country side of things, yeah. you know, and, and how they how they start to uh, play Stratford and Panhandle in, in the second, third round of the playoffs uh, might, you know, maybe, maybe they're a little bit better. You know, they come from that Albany school, that that area of, uh, of uh, competition over there, which has always been really good football in that part of big country. But again, Toller is they. I think of that Dallas Christian game and, and them losing that game the way they did because Dallas Christian is a really good uh, private school football team. I think that's what's going to help Toller get to that next level that they got, you know, that, that, that whole comparison I keep giving, you know, you look across the field, we've played a better team yeah. already. Toller, even as good as they are, has played a better team this year. And I think that's going to make everything slow down for them all the way to the state finals. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. That's a really, that's a thing that Grant and I are really big on. Uh, even sometimes when you get your, your arse just whooped, 
you still like you say second round of the play or even third round you're looking at Crawford and you're 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 seeing Crawford's uniforms and you're thinking oh no here we go again and then kick off and then you go oh wait a minute we we played a team 4 weeks ago way better than this we we can figure this out we can adjust and and, and end up moving on all right let's go finish it out to a division 2 will i'm just going to ask it to you this and i'm rooting just like you are will celeste get a first round playoff win this year Take a Celeste by one. That's all I can do with that. <laughs> now, I, I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad that they moved up to Friday, so I can't see it in person. But now uh, the, the fates of karma, because Winthorst got the got the spot on Thursday for Bowie. Uh, they, they won whatever flips, whatever rules they were going to have there. And now Winthorst is going to have to play Lindsay in a rainstorm, whereas Celeste will probably get Seymour in a little bit of a drier uh, setting. I think Celeste... I mean, the, the two teams in this district, Collinsville and Munster, beat them up pretty good. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and there was some second half, you know, where, where Celeste got a little bit, uh, you know, played Collinsville a little bit better, I think, for 48 minutes than they played Munster. Uh, but I think Celeste, that whole 7 2 A district, uh, you know, Winthorst is, is clearly the class of it. And Celeste went blow for blow for Winthorst. They were up on Winthorst three scores in that game uh, before Winthorst finally figured it out in the second half and came back. I think that they're going to kind of have a de facto revenge game with Seymour instead of uh, Winthorst as that target. And I think they're going to win that game. Now, after that, I'm not going to be so uh, bullish on them, but I, I think at least for round one, uh, they'll take care of business. Albany, I think that's the gunter of this region. Yeah, and I was surprised that Munster beat Celeste as as big as they did. And we do a Munster show, and I talk with Carney, and he's one of those coaches, man, that I love that – you know, he tells you, he just lays it out. This is how I think the district's going to go. And he was 100% right, except for even he, when, when I when I messaged him Thursday or this weekend after their win, and he even he was like, I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. We, you know, Celeste is really big up for everybody always talks about their athleticism, and they are athletic, but th- their offensive line is pretty big. And he was like, you know, we, we kind of had our way with them at times. And I was a little surprised by that. Them and Seymour kind of mirror each other. They've beaten all the teams they're supposed to, and when they've played good teams, they've tended to struggle. Uh, Seymour got beat by Albany 41-14, to got beat by Winthorpe 55-22. to uh, As you talked about, Celeste uh, struggled against Collinsville 40-17 to and got throttled by Munster 35-7. to uh, And so, uh, you know, I, I think they beat Seymour, and again, you, you've got Albany. I do think Munster – will upset uh, Wink in the second round because Munster's defense is getting really better. And and people need to watch Munster. They're all coming back next year. They're closer to being where they were when they won state than where they were last year when they were five and five and just injury riddled. And some of the seniors had kind of checked out and kind of were already looking at college and stuff. But again, it's going to be an Albany Collinsville game. Now I do think, it's not going to be as bad as it was last year. I think it was 66 to 36 that Albany won. I think Collinsville can hang with them, but at the end of the day, Albany is just going to out physical them and just grind them down. And Albany kind of, in, in my mind, kind of holds the same position that Polar holds. Because I look at Region 1, and I'm not seeing anybody up there that I'm thinking New Home is probably the only team that. Uh, might have a you know be a, a competitive game against Albany, but I think it's almost inevitable that that Albany is going to the state title game again because this region is and and more than two A more than anything. I mean, 
when you have one player who you, you can have an injury and that completely disrupts both sides of your ball because of, of the inevitable two player two way players that you've got in the two way situation, you do see some crazy things happen. Austin Glacius, even though we're talking three A Division One, got hurt last year, completely changed the, the trajectory of Paradise. So it would have to take something like that. But usually your teams like Albany, I mean we we talked about Toller. Toller hasn't had Peyton Brown for the last six weeks or whatever it is, and they're still rolling along. So sometimes some of these really, really top end, you know, top two, top three, two A schools, they 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 have so much depth and, and quality players that they can handle an injury or two. Whereas a player a team like Collinsville, they gotta be at full depth, full power to be able to even be competitive with Albany. Well and you make a good point. I, I... You know, I, I and and, no, and we're not talking about the, you know I feel bad for Peyton Brown not getting to play most of his senior year, but if he gets hurt again, you know they're going to be like okay we've done this we're good. As great as Albany is, let's say something happens to Adam Hill, who's played all year or for most of the year. I, I do think he missed the game early, but do are even as great as Albany is. Will they have that second guy that can step in and now become the number one guy? Sometimes having an injury can help you. Jordan Winnington at Quero, to go back to uh, in the past, one of the greatest state championship performances I've ever seen. The only reason Pleasant Grove didn't win three straight championships was because Jordan Winnington took over that game. He played like three games all year or four games. So sometimes having that injury can help you. But in saying that, Albany, it, you know, it, it took Denny Faith what 40 years to finally break through and win a state championship and now it feels like all of a sudden crap they've gone from being a region great to now they might just be living at the state championship for the next four out of six years i can't argue with you i mean they, they are they, they, same thing with toller they're living same at thing that, with toller, that kind yeah. of high level trajectory yeah and i do think now i do think i know last year and and we're going to say this a lot about albany in the playoffs because every game seems to be the same in the playoffs for albany and region one and then in, against toller it was close early and it got away from them but i never count out a john ward team like new home john ward and terry ward the brothers uh they're coaching legends at 2a uh the ward there's three of them ward brothers total and some of them it's been kind of shady back in east texas in the in the 2000s but john ward and terry ward are masters terry ward's at tenna hall now they're, they're masters at the 2a level they just know how to coach these guys that have to play 75 snaps a game i do think that new home is better than they were last year i do think they could give albany a game but I like to go back to what you always do, and I look at the score last year, and it was a 27-point, 28-point difference. Are they 28 points better, and is Albany not 28 points better? You know, you see what I'm saying? I just don't know if they right. – and I know the game started zero, but eh, they really don't a lot of times when you're talking about the same crews, teams playing each other with the same core, and both of those teams have a ton back. I think uh, New Home has 17 returning starters. Albany had like 14, so it's the same guys. I don't know if, if they've gained 25 points to make it a one-possession game type thing. And I think you make a great point because you're talking about Albany and how they've finally broken through. We're giving Toller all these props for a school that's never broken through. Yes. <laughs> you know, so they still have, there's still that intangible there. And, you know, we're, we're kind of putting them over teams like Marlin and Crawford who have broken through at times. So Toller still has to prove it at the end of the day. I'm very high on Toller. I love my Rattlers. Albany has at least proven it at this point. That was Toller's job. Well, and it felt like last year, 
that Crawford game that they lost, the defensive slugfest, 17-10 or 14-7, it felt like Toller was the better team, and they just couldn't find that play when they needed it. Again, I think a little bit it's that mental thing against Crawford. And usually when a team finally breaks through, they have that the year before where they almost break through, they kind of come up short. Well, and kind of talking like Timpson. Timpson's the exact same thing. They've come up short in the region, you know, in the state semifinals, and it feels like finally this year they're on that cusp, and as long as they can stay healthy, they're going to win. I, I, I honestly do feel that way about Toller. Can't argue with you as well. I'm a, I, Wednesday night, though, man. Wednesday night state championship games. I'm not. I'm not. Not okay with that. Yeah, you. you okay. We've talked about that. We're going to be doing a live watch party, and that's going to be a lot of the conversation. I. I think, and we'll end it with this little convert part. I, I really think when you've got Frisco Star, as great as it is, it's an indoor facility. It would hold two a. Even it could hold up to 4A, honestly. But I have no problem if at one point they decide to move 1A into a over to Frisco Star. You still get the Dallas Cowboy treatment. In fact, you could say that it's actually even cooler because you're going to be where the Cowboys actually are day to day. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great during Christmas time. It's beautiful. You got the trees on the walk up. You can shop Frisco. I honestly, and I've talked to some 2A coaches and we've talked about it and they're all like, yeah, that actually would be a kind of a cool place to play every year. I think eventually the UI will end up doing that, especially when you do get 7A and you're going to, you don't want teams playing on a Monday. Uh, so I, I do think eventually 2A, at least six-man, 1A, whatever you want to call it, and 2A, and maybe even 3A get moved over to the Frisco Star. And then you can have the games on Friday. Yes. You know, and e- even though you might have duplicate games going on at the same time, uh, you know, TV may have a problem with that. But I, I, if you can get them on, uh, even if you have to put them over there at, at a weird, like a, a 2 o'clock time, and you have a, a little bit of a gap in there, I, I think there's definitely a way. That, that's for the smart people to figure out. But there's a way you can get that game off of Wednesday night. Well, and also, let's be honest, you can just, you know, when they first started at the same place, and they first started showing all the state games, if you remember, six six man and two a were still were just streamed they didn't start till three or they started with the second two a game you could stream it and still get it and look i know there are some nuts like grant and like you and like me and others that will watch all the games whether we're there or not but the you're you're not going to lose an audience like you're not going to let's say they moved let's say three a two a and six man go to frisco you're not going to be playing that four a game and look into the stands at AT at&t and go oh my god what happened to all the fans they must be over at the two a game that's not going to happen i I, and i know two a and three a are going to be like we want to be included do you want to be included and have to play on Wednesdays? Or do you want to be the king of the Frisco where you're playing Friday night for state at 7.30 p.m.? And that place, when it's fully packed it's and awesome. loud, it, it is an amazing experience. I remember Carthage Glen Rose, there wasn't a spot to be had, and the, the building was vibrating. So it is, it's a great enough venue to where you're going to have fun if you're doing that. Throw that on the ballot. Yeah, I think you should get that on and get the, get the superintendent's voting on that. Well, I mean, and, and it, you, you laugh, but I, I, literally talking with 2A coaches, that's been the thing is they do. They're, they're starting to go, okay, it was nice playing. It's nice playing at Cowboy Stadium, but it does kind of suck. And also I, part of the thing I, I, I want them to split, my, my big knock on it being in a one spot like it is, is the game is over. 
All right, everybody get your things. Everybody take 30 minutes of pictures. Now get off the field. That's not what a state championship should be like, man. I can remember when Marshall won, and we're down in the Astrodome, and we're the only, you know, that was the only game at that point that was played there. And, dude, we were on that field for two and a half hours. And it was, we had just as much fun memories of after the game as the game. Now, I know you couldn't do that now, even if you split them. But, man, we've got to give the, give the winning team a little bit longer on the field. Absolutely. I mean, I, even even down there as a media person, there like you got people trying to do press conferences yes. and you know just moving on, and you can't really enjoy those moments. So I definitely think there is something to be said for that for for a whole, at least a, a forty thousand foot view of what can we do better. We we have a great thing. We have the best thing in the nation. How can we make this great thing even better? And there's definitely some room to do that. And I think you know I. I Believe it or not, I mean, we, we, we talk all the time. I don't think I've ever really considered the star being for, for the small schools like that. So I think I, I'm, I can press with you, Terry. I'm like, okay, I think Terry's got, got, got him something here. I, I still don't understand why the UIL, with the money that they make and the funding, build a dome in Waco and just have your state championship there. That's literally almost the centerpiece of Texas. How awesome would that be? 25000 and I know uh, 6A, 5200000 but let's go on the average I think that would be awesome. But, yeah, outside of that happening, I think well, you're going to have to split it at 7-8. You're going to have to take some of those games out of one stadium or play right. them the week before. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem if, if maybe you stagger. Start 3A and 2A one week ahead. You know, have 4A and up instead of starting the you know usually the the weekend right before labor day have them start the next week and then you have 2a and 3a at AT&T and they leave and then you have 4a up but either way that's all the talk and that's what we're going to be doing in the offseason we're going to be talking some fun stuff like that i do appreciate you Matt. by the way uh pimp out your twitter for us because i love reading your dump in the regular season i love reading your dump in the playoffs as well where can people find you on twitter we got at Professor Diggs. You can check. We have a podcast, Digging for Wisdom, which basically did what we just did yep. for 6A and 5A, Region 1 and Region 2. So I've, I've talked the whole state. I'm ready to pick the whole state right now. Uh, so I, I'm glad I got to go 6A to 2A. We, we, we covered it all through these two shows. So thank you for having me on. Here at L4 Media, we talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much much more and you can see it all on our youtube channel at l4 media company like and subscribe as always i want to thank matt for joining me here if you have any questions thoughts or comments about anything in north texas or really just anywhere in the state of texas in high school football that you want to ask me or matt just email them to me terry at s2ssport.com so Week one's about to start. In fact, as I'm recording this at 5.45 a.m. on Sunday or on Thursday, uh, it's raining. It's going to be a wet one tonight, so be safe if you're going to the games. Uh, I know some games have been moved to Friday, but that's really hard to do in the playoffs uh, because of stadiums uh, and trying to get a good stadium, and that's still a big thing for a lot of coaches. They want to play in the good stadiums during the playoffs. Uh, so most of the games are going to be locked into the day. So be safe going to the game and hope your team wins. And if they do come back next week, if they don't come back next week, because Matt and I'll still be here talking football either way. And until next week, this has been the granny bakery power plus mouth guard, North Texas football show on S2S sports, part of L4 media.